Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Neville D'Angelo. Today we are privy to a conversation between a daughter and her father. My guests are Rick Couchman, the Dean of Robert Louis Stevenson School, New York, poet and author of Musings from Outside the Universal, and his young daughter, Kara Couchman, a budding writer. and enjoy the ride for a few moments of reflection. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky little problems. We play a few games too and attract the remarkable characters of three classic books. Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. All of which you can get in your favorite format from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Who could have imagined the enormity of the moment into which this conversation is being broadcast? Rick and Kara, thank you for letting us listen in to your conversation. Here is a father and his daughter. Kara, I have this uh, poem here that I'd like you to uh, listen to. You know, you, you tend to uh, listen to my poems and give me feedback on them. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to do that with this one. Actually, I, I wrote this one uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And um, you tell me what you think. Here goes. It's called The Woman in the Corner. Out of the corner she emerged, suddenly. Could you help me? I'm down and out. Of course, of course we could help you. Lowered shoulders, hands in her pocket, shivering from the cold in the dark corner. In the corner, the place of punishment. Put in her place, so to speak, in the corner. Though guilty of being only poor. It was at the corner of the littered street, smelling of decay and sadness and stale piss. In the dark corner, she stood cold, indigent sent there by us because she was bad. In other words, poor. In the corner, the place of rejection. Of course, of course we sent you there. 
so that we do not have to face our guilt. We hate having to look at you, your face, you with that wistful, lost look of the poor. It's for your own good, can't you see? So that we don't annihilate you, crush you. No, not because of what you are, but because of how you make us feel. We cannot stand the sight of you, so we sent you to the corner. In the corner, the place of degradation. No, I am not homeless, you see. I live with someone. I'm just down and out. Who knocked you down? Who knocked you out? Well, it's not, not as if we don't know. We knocked you down. We knocked you out. Yes, we sent you to the corner. In the corner. The place where dumb asses are sent. $13 in the wallet. We will give her a dollar. Help, let's give her the ten. That will make us feel better. After all, it's a ten. Better than one. And we don't need it anyway. Go on, give it to her. There. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. As she slouches back into her corner. In the corner. The place of humiliation and shame. Wow. So what do you think of that one? Uh, the whole time, I was thinking, because like, every time I go to internship, I pass this old lady in the subway. Uh-huh. And she's always sitting there, like, every single day. And, like, she's always sitting there, like, her feet crossed up, she's sitting on the floor, and she has, like, a cup, and everybody's just passing. And I pass, too. But I don't have money to give her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it reminds me of that. Because she can't, she didn't, like, talk ever. Okay. But I thought I just gave her a voice, which is cool. Right. And you know what's interesting, Cara, is that, of course, this is about that. This is about a homeless person. But the interesting thing is, is that the homeless, uh, we have taken away their humanity, so to speak, and um, we have made them sort of amorphous. They have been depersonalized, dehumanized. I think because. <coughs> It's better for us that way, because if we don't give them a face, if we don't give them a personality, then we don't have to feel guilty, or we don't have to feel responsible for them. So we talk of them as the homeless, you know, a homeless person. But you know, it's amazing how many times as we encounter these individuals on the street, how many times do we pause to say, after we would have given them something. Hey, what's your name? See, we don't do that. And that's so unfortunate. Why are you, why are you like writing about homeless people? Why I like writing about homeless yeah, people? Yeah, and taking pictures of them. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that is really uh, close to my heart, actually. Um, while I was growing up as a, as a, as a child in, in Guyana, I remember that we would have, uh, you know, we would have people, uh, we call them beggars. We didn't call them homeless persons. We call them beggars. And they'll be on the street and they will come and they'll, they'll ask for stuff. 
And actually, there was a guy who was held not too far from where we lived, almost just outside our front door. And my mother, uh, after she would have uh, cooked a meal, she would, uh, you know, prepare a, a plate and uh, uh, hand it to me to go give it to the homeless person. And so, you know, that sensitivity towards the condition of people who are poor was instilled in me from, from uh, a very, very long time. But then, sadly, though, there was a time in my life when I, this was, I think, when I was going through a, a time of basically trying to find out, you know, where my place was in this universe. There was a time when I had a very callous attitude towards uh, the poor and the needy. I remember I'd be walking the street and someone would ask me for uh, something and I would simply look at that person with disdain and just uh, continue on my way. And in fact, I remember sometimes you know, someone would say, uh, could you uh, spare me a quarter or spare me whatever? And I would say something like, hey, you know what? I was just about to ask you for a quarter myself. So I had a very callous attitude towards uh, uh needy people. As I said, that was a time when I was really going through my own transition and trying to find my place in the universe. But thankfully, I was able to uh, find that place. And, you know, what I realize now is that people, every single individual on this earth, people make sense. Life makes sense. And so when I see someone who is destitute, you know, I feel a sense of helplessness. I wish I could do more. I want to do, you know, all I can to to help. And I realize that I'm powerless. And so I do what little bit I can. And um, I don't get on other people's cases if they don't. It's their, you know, it's their business, and they need to feel, you know, responsible responsible one way or the other. It's not my place to make anybody feel guilty about their lack of uh, attention to or support for people who are indigent. Um, hopefully they will come to you know the realization of what they need to do themselves. But for me, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sad to see people going about needy and trying to make ends meet. Um, I wish I could do all that I could to to help uh, people. You know, I always say that you know, <laughs> I couldn't be be wealthy because if I were wealthy, I wouldn't stay wealthy. I'd probably be giving away everything to you know people that need it. But anyway, that's another. Story. If you like, if you had the power to do something, or if you like had a superpower, a superpower, what what would it be? If I had superpower, what would this well? If I had superpower, I certainly would be um, acting on behalf of, of the, the needy. I'd be a kind of a, uh, a, a superhero Robin Hood, so to speak. Um, I could see myself, uh, well, you know, I hate to say this, but uh, yeah, I could see myself, um, you know, taken from the billionaires uh, yeah. to go out the poor. <laughs> um, uh, I can see myself, uh, you know, doing everything that I possibly uh, could uh, to 
to help them. But you know, there are so many homeless and, and, and poor people in, in the world. You know, always, and every time I, I think of uh, what we call homeless individuals and, and, and the poor, I think of my friend Mike. You remember Mike? Yeah, the guy who sits in um, at the church. Well, no, not that one. That's a, that's another. I can't remember his name, but remember we did ask him his name. Um, but Mike was that uh, young man who uh, would uh, be in the subway station asking for money. You remember, and he was all dirty, handsome, and he looked very unkempt and yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah, every time I every time I see someone who is uh, struggling, Mike. Uh, comes to mind. And remember I used to, to tell you guys that uh, you know you never pass up an opportunity to be helpful to anybody who is um, in need. You know? And even if you don't have even if you don't have something to give, just a kind word would uh, would suffice. And you know what's also interesting is, is that when I meet uh, a homeless individual on the street or, or someone who is begging uh, to sustain him or herself, I sometimes I'm very conscious that as I'm giving them uh, some money, I don't want to make contact with them because they look so dirty. And, and, and so what I started doing is, you know what, I, I started... In introducing myself and shaking their hands. And I remember the very first time that uh, I did that, you and Imani were with me, remember, with, with Mike, and I, and I shook his hand, mm -hmm. all dirty and everything. And I think Imani always talked about that, about uh, what a powerful impression that, that made in her. And uh, as a result, she herself um, has sort of developed that sensitivity towards people who are destitute and in need. And so sometimes, like I said, even if you don't um, have something to give, a kind word or a touch, you know, or a hand on the shoulder or something like that, or, or simply saying, listen, I'm going to be praying for you or something like that would be more than helpful. So when you write, like, do you like think of Mike and then write? Or does somebody else influence you to write? Um... You see, the thing about living in New York City is that you encounter um, the destitute uh, very often. Every time you turn, uh, there is someone there who is uh, sitting on the ground, uh, lying in the subway station, lying in Grand, uh, Grand Central Station, uh, lying in uh, Herald Square, uh, lying in Port Authority. Uh, there's always someone there um, you know, asking you to help out. And so you cannot, so not, I cannot help but uh, be aware of, uh, of the presence of these individuals. And as happened uh, the last time when I uh, had this encounter with this woman uh, on the street, I was just coming from the supermarket. And um, it was dark, it was cold, and suddenly she, she disappeared. And uh, she said to me, um, uh, she introduced herself, actually. Um, her name was uh, Madeline. She said, uh, hello, I am Madeline. Uh, could you help me, please? I am down and out. Um, 
it was so sudden. It was, you know, I wasn't expecting it. I just turned the corner, boom, and there she was. But what was very interesting uh, was the fact that she, she, her shoulders were sort of uh, hunched. hunched over, and she was shivering. Um, and she just, she just came out of the dark just like that. And that image uh, basically stayed with me. And then when she said, you know, I'm, I'm down and out, and the way she said it, um, and then I asked her, I said, do you have any place to live? And she said to me, no, I, 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 I do have a place to live. It's just that I've fallen on hard times, and I'm really uh, struggling right now. Um, but it was that moment, that suddenness, that really... Uh, cast itself on my on my on my on my mind so to speak made that huge impression and I need, I felt that I needed to capture that that image in words um, to basically uh, eternalize it uh, so to speak uh, make it bigger than time and that's that's how I write uh, poetry it's these images these memories the sounds that I hear, I hear um, the the feelings that I have, and these are all uh, these all occur in time, and so as they occur, it, they, you know I, I I trap them so to speak, I hold on to them, and then I have to enflesh them in words to give them life and to give them meaning, um, and so that's why I write about these things. Is that, is that the, does that answer the question? Yeah. I feel like I didn't answer your yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You write about, like, like your childhood a lot sometimes. Well, they're not all, I don't know, they're about you, but they're about a child. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you, do you think, like, maybe you're writing out of, like, experiences that you had in your childhood that you couldn't put on paper back then, like, of your fears? Well, the writings that you you're referring to the the writings in my in my book from outside the universal. There is a section there that focuses on um, on childhood experiences. Now, the experiences in uh, the poems themselves they're not necessarily my experience because if they were, then they would be merely uh, mere history. I'm not writing history or writing events about events. Uh, what you have is a lot of compressed emotions in these uh, poems. Now, like I said, remember, uh, they constitute bits and pieces of, yes, memories, bits and pieces of images, bits and pieces of, of sounds, bits and pieces of feelings. Sometimes they are my feelings. But sometimes there are feelings that are universal that people generally would experience, and what you have in 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 this section of the of the of the book uh, are these layers of 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 images and sounds and experiences and and you know they 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 sort of form this mosaic of of existence, so to speak, and so it's not necessarily my experience. Um, though some of it might relate to my own experience, experience. But they are basically the sum total of everyone's experience. 
And yes, indeed, they're, they're, you know, they, they, they reflect uh, fear. Um, I know for me, you, you know, the whole idea of, of fear, for me, it's, it's fear of not being in control. Um, not, not controlling people or, or manipulating people or anything like that, but fear of not being able to control my own destiny and my own existence and my own experience. That's basically my greatest fear, actually. Um, but then the reality is, who can have absolute control? I can't have absolute control. If I were able to control my own destiny and, and, and existence, then I would be like God. And so the reality is, is that I have got to come to grips with the fact that I cannot have complete control. I might have some modicum of control, but I can't have total control. And so that's the tension or the conflict that I, and I have to go through life um, sort of dealing with that conflict. Uh, it's with me every single day, wanting to be in control, not being to, uh, able to have control, having to deal with that inability to have control, uh, being able to control some things. And so that's that tension that, that, that exists for me every single day as far as uh, that is concerned. And writing, writing helps the tension? Um, writing, you know, that, that suggests that uh, writing uh, for me is something cathartic, that it's uh, some kind of cleansing. Cara, why you, why you? Because I don't, I don't know to, what that means. <laughs> Cara, you know, you, you have to check it. But anyway, but it's, it's the, the whole idea of of, of cleansing and, and purging. Um, interestingly, uh, writing for me is not about purging and cleansing. Um, writing for me is sort of an art. It's an art. I want to create. And uh, I want to create with uh, the things that I have. What do I have? Well, I have these images, these visual memories, these emotional memories, uh, sounds. Uh, I have these things. And the good thing is, is that I also have been exposed to a wide variety of, of poetry uh, types. Um, I've been reading uh, poetry from when I was a child, and I've been studying it in high school, and I continue to uh, be interested in, in poetry um, from classical times uh, through the Renaissance, through the Romantic period, uh, even to modern poetry, even to the slam poetry stuff that young people are doing today. Um, and so because I have that, that sort of experience, uh, wide experience and exposure in poetry, I, I have a sense of poetry, and uh, I have uh, developed a facility to, to enflesh experiences in words uh, to make them uh, come out rhythmical and beautiful. And so I'm able to do that, and so I want to create, you know. But here, here's the contradiction. Why do I want to do that? As I said the other day when I was... Uh, you were there when I was uh, talking at um, the book celebration, mm -hmm. that, yes, I'm a reluctant writer. I don't necessarily like writing, because writing is, is, is such an innovating task sometimes. And I know that sounds pretty strange and, and almost contradictory, but that's the reality. No, that's true. Yeah. I, I know sometimes like when I want to write something and I have too many thoughts, 
and I can't get it all on paper at the same time, I get really mad. Oh. Uh-huh. Anyway, but you're a good writer. But you're a good writer yourself. For sure. I guess the 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 the, was it the apple didn't mm-hmm. fall too far from the tree. Is that what they say? I guess. <laughs> all right. So, you have any other questions? No. Alright, can I go home now, Carol? Can I go home now? Uh, Carol, yes, we can go home now. I'll, I'll take you home. But okay. it was really nice talking to you about this stuff. Okay. I hope I answered your question. Amen. And um, that's, uh, please continue to be available uh, for my poems. You know, when I need someone to hear what I have to say, I hope that uh, you'll allow me the opportunity to share with you. Right? Mm-hmm. You're my best critic. Well, Imani is too. Thank you, Kara. That was Kara Couchman and her dad, Rick Couchman, author of Musings from Outside the Universal. Musings from Outside the Universal is available for your Kindle devices at Amazon.com. The author, Rick Couchman, has dedicated his proceeds to the Robert Louis Stevenson School in New York. I extend enormous thanks to Tim David for the successful launch of Musings from Outside the Universal. Uh, Tim David is the 2005 and 2007 U.S. Adult National Skating Gold Medalist. Tim, we hope that you will come on to the journey sometime soon. Again, thank you so much for all that you are doing. As our moment of silence, saddened by the horrific tragedy, we are foregoing the segment that would be on now and the game that we would normally play. We encourage you to reach out. As we reach out, reach out, reach out. Touch someone. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. I encourage you, if you will, to Check out riosports.com. There's a chapel in riosports.com. You can spend a moment of reflection if you'd like. It's riosports.com slash chapel.php or riosports.com. Click on It's Your Life and then click on the chapel. Reach out. Reach out. Touch somebody. One of my nieces who is singing in the background is an elementary student unaware of the tragedy. We will go out while she is singing in the background. Looking forward to seeing you all next week.